That's very good, yes. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Provecho. Buen appetit. Okay? Uh, where can we begin? Well, I would say that uh, we want to begin with looking at the world and seeing the, we have about a little over, you know, 7 billion people in the world, okay? And uh, at least 5 billion, you know, they don't even know what baptism is about or, you know, the Mass, the Eucharist, confession, see, the sacraments, you know, heaven, hell, what Jesus did and everything. Very interesting challenge we have, see? And uh, this is what I want to talk about, the, the idea of service, which means uh, serving the Lord, see? Serving the Lord with our lives, you see? Uh, that we're all called the bishops in uh, Aparecida, Brazil, in 2007. All the Latin American bishops got together, and one of the big conclusions they came up with is that every Christian, every baptized Christian, is a missionary. I thought that was very good. Every baptized Christian is a missionary, and we are all called to the mission. See, and that this is coming at a very important time in the life of the church, you see. And I take this from, uh, from the scriptures, okay? And we'll start off with the second letter of the first pope, Peter, okay? His second letter of Peter, chapter 3, verse 8. For the Lord, okay? A, thousand, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. And you know what Peter says before he says that? He says, if you forget everything else, don't forget this. In other words, this is really important because the Lord himself told Peter how important it was. He says he instructed us on this. If there's one thing you must remember about your faith is that a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. You see? So when you um, look at where we're at right now, you see, and if you ever had a chance to meet Mother Teresa and talk with her, she's like John the Baptist. She is really preparing the world, things that she, the ideas she had and what she was saying, see? One of the things that they have about the missionaries of charity, the fathers, is they're not allowed to work in a parish. Now, why would she ever say that? Such the beautiful parishes, you know. But, you know, she says if you want to belong to the missionaries of charity, you have to have a good sense of humor. See, so you need a good sense of humor to, to work with the missionaries of the cross because we follow Mother's Spirit. But we're involved in education and... Uh, but anyway, I want to say that our Lord is telling Peter that it's very important that you remember that a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So we begin with the day, which is Jesus, and we go through a thousand years, then we go through another thousand years, and then we come again to the day, today. Today in theology is a very important word, today, you see. So... Now, says Paul, now is the time of salvation, see? Now, see? So we may be in a very world-changing time. Despite all the negative stuff going on, this may be the most interesting of all times because it may be the end of time which may be the beginning of eternity, see, in, on earth, see. This is, what I'm, this is what I have picked up from my conversations and with Mother Teresa especially, okay. So she's uh, quite a person. Some people call her an event, 
an historical event, say, in the church. And John Paul II, who's, let's see here, we're, we're going to have his canonization on, um, what is it going to be? It's going to be on Mercy Sunday of 2014. Okay? Very good. So we're uh, going to look at, since we started our group called the Missionaries of the Cross. And when I told Mother Teresa that in New York, and when I saw her in 1986, the day before she left for Cuba, and Castro gave her permission to send her sisters to Cuba, she now has seven houses in Cuba, see, working among the poorest of the poor. But anyway, we talked to her, and I said, Mother, I pulled out the medal, the miraculous medal, and I said, you see, we're going to spell charity, missionaries of charity, we're going to spell charity with the cross, you see, because on the other side of the medal, there's an M and a cross. If you look on the miraculous medal, the Blessed Mother's on one side and the cross and the M is on the other, which would be missionaries of the cross, okay? That's what I told her. I said, we're going to spell uh, charity with C-R-O-S-S. And so the cross is a very important word for us. It's a word very important for all Christianity. And Paul says, I have come to preach to you, you know, the, uh, the message of Christ and him crucified. See? So this is very important. So the cross, you know, you can think of all the different ways that Jesus could have chosen to die, to give in his life, and he wanted to die on the cross. Why would he want to die on the cross, you see? And I think it's very interesting because he chose to die on a dead tree. See, and a dead tree is a tree that's going to come to life because Jesus died on that cross. So the cross has two beams, okay? Very interesting, two beams, okay? And so we have many words in the Scripture, many words of Jesus that tells us about what he said to Peter. A day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. That's very interesting. So I put down a few quotes here, but I'm not going to read them. I don't need to read them. I will just tell you the way Jesus talked. I am the way, and you watch. I was going to bring a crucifix. I wanted to bring a crucifix, but I forgot. So I'm going to use my fingers, okay? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Say one, two, three. Just that simple. See? Father, I give you thanks. For you have hidden these things from the wise and the knowing. And have revealed them to simple people. See, to the simple ones. You see? One, two, three. He who eats my body and drinks my blood. That may be the way Jesus was telling us the time of the Mass. How long it was going to last. He who eats my body and drinks my blood will have eternal life. You see? So that's what we're... I hope you're enjoying your meal. See? But not by bread alone does man live. See? Very important. See? So, uh, but like you should, she said, this is, Carrie said, this is theology on tap. Very good. See? So enjoy yourself. Have a good meal. Mother Teresa would never eat in a restaurant. She would never eat out. Interesting, see? None of her sisters eat out. Never go out to eat, you see? She wanted to be poor like the poor she served. She wanted to be poor. She wanted to live a poor life because you can learn a lot from poverty as St. Paul tells us. Jesus being rich became poor to enrich us with his poverty, you see. There's great richness in the poverty of Jesus. If you look at some of his miracles that he did, you know, like the poor lady that was bent over so many years, I think it was 18 years or something like that, and he went into the synagogue, and it was a Saturday, and there she was, bent over, and, and you know, uh, Jesus just put his hands on her head, see, he didn't send her to the doctor. 
didn't send her to the hospital. He didn't send her to the pharmacy to get some, you know, medicine. This is what you need. Here's some, here's a hundred pesos. Here, here's, here's a, a uh, hundred dollars to go buy some medicine so you can get better. No, just put his hands on. Didn't have any money at all. Didn't need it. Just imagine if we didn't, didn't need money. If we didn't need food. Just imagine how the world would change. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. Think about it. See? And he just put his hands on her and she stood up straight. You see? Amazing. The poverty, the richness of the poverty of Jesus. You see? So this is what Mother Teresa was tapping in on. See? We learned to be... Let go of all the things we have in the world and, and, and get down to, you know, a simple life, say, a more simple life, say. So we are looking at words that saints in the, in the life of Jesus that tell us uh, that the cross is a message of how long man is suffering until he will be informed with the light of eternal life. See? That's why Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. That's the first thing he says. And he who comes after me, that's the second thing, will have the light of life. Very interesting. One, two, three. You see? That's theology on tap. See? You just have to tap the scriptures. You just have to tap the, the Holy Spirit you see? Say, hey, come Holy Spirit, help me. Okay? I remember when I was in the seminary with the Augustinian fathers. I'm still an Augustinian because I don't have a, I just have one boy right now in the seminary. But, you know, it's been 25 years. We've been working. But we have 15 sisters, missionaries of the cross and the two schools. But anyway, uh, I was in the seminary and I remember I, had to, I was about 15 years old, and my sister had told me, she says, whenever you take an exam, make sure you call on the Holy Spirit. So, so I took the exam, and it was in geometry, and I didn't understand geometry. It was the first quarter exam, and I didn't understand a thing about it. And so I said, gee, my sister said, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to call on the Holy Spirit. So I, I closed my eyes and covered my face and I, because I couldn't do the first one, I couldn't do the second one, I couldn't do the third, I couldn't do the fourth. And Father told us, he says, if you can't do the first one, move to the second one. Well, I moved off through four and I couldn't get any of them. See? And uh, so I, I said, come Holy Spirit. I prayed to the Holy Spirit three times. Then a calm came over me and I said, well, I'm just going to try to do the first one the best I can. And I went through the first one and I said, well, this is equal to that and that angle is equal to this. And I don't know how I did it, but anyway, I did it. And I went to the second one, I went to the third one, I went to the fourth one, and I finished. And just as I'd finished, the last very one, the bell rang, it was time to go. Give me your papers. So we had turned in the papers. He came back the next day, he was burning mad. He was boiling. He was really mad at us because he says, you're, he says, you're a rock bottom here. He says, you just did terrible. Nobody passed the exam except John Tastel. And I said, wait a minute, you know. I got a 98 on that exam, and I didn't understand a thing when I went in there, but I called on the Holy Spirit, you know? So I remember that for the rest of my life. The Holy Spirit can help us in so many situations like tonight, see? What do we have prepared, see? And our Lord said, don't worry about it. You'll speak according to the Spirit. So here we are, see? So we have the cross. And we have Jesus telling us through the cross how long man must suffer because he has to suffer with Jesus so, because we're the body of Christ. So he's the head. And the body is the, cro is, the, is the body of Christ is nailed to the cross, you see. It's very interesting, too, because he has two wounds, okay? The two nails that went through, went through his hands, Okay? The two nails, and they're stretched out. They're separate. The two wounds are separate. But when you get to his feet, it's one nail. The two become one, you see? So it's one, two, three. See, there's three nails involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. One, two, three, okay? Very interesting, see? 
So we're coming to the third day. As if the day is a thousand years and we're in the year 2013. Very interesting, huh? So we must, where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst. You see? I could go with this into Spanish. It's very interesting. Spanish can, even the word for God in Spanish is the whole mystery of the Trinity in Spanish. It's beautiful. Beautiful, you see. So, this is what uh, you might look up. I looked up Osea. What do you say it in, in English? Um, how do you say Osea? Anybody know Spanish? What? In, but in, in English. No. What is the prophet? Okay, Osea. You want to put it that. But anyway, uh, you look at chapter 6, verse 1, 2, and 3. 1, 2, and 3. See, he says, the Lord has wounded us, but he will heal us. Uh, on the first day, the second day, on the third day, he will heal us. He will give us life, you see. Because Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. So, and he talked about that. That was his greatest prophecy. He will rise from the dead on the third day. That was his greatest prophecy. That was his, the whole reason that he came, came to earth was to give his life. And it's very interesting, you know, who's he going to give his life to? Pope John Paul II talked about that in his encyclical. He said, the greatest gift he gave to his father was his life. Okay, the greatest gift on the cross. Okay, so he chose that cross, you see. Have you ever been to Israel? Any been to, anyone been, been to Israel? Did you go to the, the Holy Land, the, whole, the Holy Sepulcher? Did you go to where Jesus was crucified? Very good, okay? You can put your hand down in the hole where the crucifix was put. Very interesting, see? So we have that cross, and we're trying to see how the cross is the key that opens up the door of the Scriptures, the understanding of the scriptures, see? And I think as time goes on, we are going to become more and more aware of things that we've never seen before. You have eyes and you see not. You have ears and you hear not, you see? Father, I give you thanks for you have hidden these things from the wise and the knowing, as I've said already, see? And reveal them to simple people, see? Because it's very simple. The mysteries of God, the mysteries of the Trinity is very simple. But we thought it was very involved, so we never understood it. It's very simple, see? One, two, three. See? I and the Father are one, you see? So very interesting what the Scriptures tells us, see? Okay? He who eats my body and drinks my blood. This is the way I preach to my people. Yeah? One, two, three. And it's all through the scriptures, all through the Psalms, all through the prophets. You can find it all over the place. All of a sudden, it appears all over the place. Right? So I want to tell you about a Protestant minister that my niece heard about on television or something. She was watching television, and they had this, this, this Protestant minister get on and said, he said, I, I've seen Jesus. Jesus appeared to me. And the people said, oh, it can't be. No, he really did. He, he appeared to me. He said, the sacred heart of Jesus appeared to me. He appeared with his, with, his, with his heart aglow. And he said, no one in California is going to heaven. Wow, that's a pretty strong statement. And my niece was all shook up. She says, what does he mean? He means no one's going to go to heaven from California. I says, I'm going to move out of California. You know, what's, what's up? And I said, yeah. I said, well, don't pay attention to him. He probably didn't see anybody. You know, he's just making that up probably. No, she said, he was really serious. Well, I said, well, let's think about it. Let's see what we're thinking. And then I kept coming back to me. I said, well, you know, what did, what did our Lord really mean, you know? No one's going to heaven. And I said, oh, and all of a sudden it came to me. You know, one, two, three. I said, oh, I said, that's because heaven's coming to California. See? This is the dawning of the third day. See? Okay? We have a lot of, uh, uh, not a lot, but we have some parishes in Tijuana that have the Blessed Sacrament exposed 24 hours a day. 
thing. In some parishes, uh, Chris here, who is uh, Chris O'Day, has been working with me as a volunteer for the past um, three months, is it now? Three and a half months. And he's teaching in school right now, helping our students, teaching the high school students, the, the sophomores, juniors, and seniors. We have, with the grammar school and the junior high, we have about 500 students and we have the same down in, Le- in Lima, Peru. But uh, um, he's been working here, and uh, what was I going to say? What? Oh, yes, the Adoration Chapel. He says that he, he has a chapel here, and where is it? Encinitas? St. John's, in 19 years they've had the Blessed Sacrament. That's what it is, exactly. And so we have the Blessed Sacrament, okay? And uh, three weeks ago uh, in the... The diocesan newspaper, they were talking about this, and people were telling how they've seen Jesus in the Eucharist. See? And that, to me, is a sign that we're going into a new age. See? Completely different from what we lived before. See? That Jesus is, see? And if you think of the Eucharist as being, looking at the Eucharist, the host, you see, and you think of, you know, when Jesus ascended into heaven and he was taken away and he, from their sight, he was covered by clouds, see? And then the, the, the two angels that appeared said, just as you saw him go, so he will come again. So, you know, if you see the Eucharist as the holy cloud and the clouds are starting to break and all of a sudden people are beginning to appear, you see? Very interesting, you see. So Eucharistic adoration is very important, see. There you have the Eucharist. There you have the light of the world, the, the one who creates all theology right there. The teacher, okay, the teacher, the one who can teach us the truth, see. So spend time, if you have, one of the, conclusions of this little talk is to sp- take that time to okay we made a retreat one time in 1972 at Mount Vallermo it's a Benedictine monastery uh, up off of 15 at some um, we uh, took Bishop Sheen's Archbishop Fulton Sheen's tapes that he gives to, that he gave to priests and it's all on the holy hour you say spending an hour a day for the priest. He was talking to the priest, but, you know, for lay people, it's just as important because we all belong to the priesthood of Christ. So he's saying, you know, you can find a lot of theology if you take Scripture and, and take it to the, to the Eucharist, you see. So seeing our Lord will convince anybody. You can see our Lord in the Eucharist. And I've had a number of people tell me that they've seen the Lord in the Eucharist, his face, you see. But I think one of the important things is that you have to be in the state of grace because you have to be, you have to have your eyes clear, see. see. You have eyes, but you see not. You have ears, but you hear not, you see. That was allowed by God, see. And uh, December 6th, 1273, a very important date, December 6, 1273, St. Thomas Aquinas, who was writing the Summa, okay, theology on tap for the entire Catholic Church. It's been used all through the years, okay? And he's celebrating Mass the year before he dies because he died in 1274, okay? He's from Naples, Italy, St. Thomas Aquinas. His, his teacher was St. Albert the Great, all right? And so St. Thomas... He's celebrating Mass, and he couldn't finish the Mass. All of a sudden, he had this encounter with our Lord, and, and it was just, you know, beyond anything he had ever imagined. And so he went, the, after the Mass and everything, after he, and, and the brothers kept saying to him, Thomas, why don't you keep writing? Why don't you keep writing? He says, because everything I've written is garbage. It's nothing but, but like hay. He says, paha, like paha which is hay, you know? It's like straw. That's what he said. It's like straw. He said, it's not worth anything compared to what I saw. See? 
what the Lord revealed to him, see? That was a year before he died, okay? So we have many, many uh, things in the Scriptures if we study them through the Eucharist, and I tell you that uh, about the Eucharist because this will bring you into, uh, uh, say, a greater understanding of what Jesus is all about and what he's going to do with our world. He said in the Last Supper, chapter 16, verse 33, if I'm not mistaken, okay? He said, boys, talking to his apostles, he said, men, he said, in the world you're going to have many tribulations, but be brave because I have overcome the world. You see? The whole world. See? There will be one flock and one pastor. One sheepfold, one shepherd. Would you be in English, you know? Okay? Un solo rebaño y un solo pastor in Spanish. See? There it is right there, huh? One, two. So this is what we're coming to. How are we going to have the unity of the entire world? Just imagine, see, a world, the entire world where Jesus is king of the universe, king of the whole world, king of our all souls, you know, see? Hmm? Very interesting things that we have here. And that's what uh, the message that I wanted to give to you, to share with you, because uh, I could tell you about all the experiences that we've had in the missions, probably like I was talking with Chris there uh, bef on the way coming up, talking about celebrating Mass at uh, Scripps in La Jolla. I got a message from some of the missionaries of Charity Sisters. Father, could you please come and celebrate Mass for Mother Teresa? She's been sick in bed. They've done a uh, an angiogram, the doctor that invented it, they did an angiogram on her, and she's been through a little, tremendous amount of pain, and she can't, she can't have Mass, and all the priests are occupied. Could you come up and celebrate Mass? I said, sure. So I got someone to take my place, called a couple priests, said, could you cover for me? You know, and so they, they covered for me, and I was gone. See, so I went up to, came up here to celebrate Mass, and, and, and there's Mother Teresa, see? And I knew one of the heart doctors, Mary McMahon, who was there, and the, they're surrounded, the bed was surrounded by sisters and doctors, and they had set up a little table there, and that's where I celebrated Mass at the feet of Blessed Mother Teresa. See? And then afterwards, after we all finished and everything, I gave communion. She had the Blessed Sacrament in a little tabernacle on the wall of the, her room. And the doctor said, that's wonderful, because every time the, they had the little box there, he didn't know what it was, but he said, Mother Teresa's doing so much better. See, that was in 1992. So she lived five years beyond that, 1997. But anyway, so we walked out, and we were, every, everybody left, and I went out. And, and sister came up to me, said, Father, Father, she says, Mother Teresa wants to talk to you. So I went back, and here she, she, she they had gotten her up out of bed. And she was sitting in a chair, and she said, sit down, Father. So I sat down next to her, and she said, she said, we were talking about different things in the order and everything, and then she, she said, uh, we know what's going to happen within the next 10 years. This is in 92. We know what's going to happen in the next 10 years, she told me. And I didn't know what she was talking about. And so she kept repeating that. She finally, she said, well, that's all I want him to, 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 to tell you, Father. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we know it's going to happen within the next 10 years. Very interesting, huh? There's Mother Teresa, see? So I didn't know what she was talking about. See? I remember when I was in Mexico, in Tijuana, when we first got there, I think it was actually before we uh, actually officially arrived, we had come there to look the place over and everything. Little did we know what the problems were in the diocese, the problems that there are among the people, the difficult, tremendously difficult mission it is in Tijuana right now. See? 
And so we were there, and uh, she was on a school bus leaving. And she got on the school bus, and everybody said goodbye to her, goodbye, goodbye. And uh, we were there. My, my mom was there, and uh, sister comes down from the bus. and said, Father, Mother Teresa wants you to accompany her. So I got up on the bus and sat next to Mother Teresa as we went across the border. See? And when we got to the border, you know, everybody's, you have to show your papers and stuff like that, the cards, whatever you have. Mother Teresa didn't have anything. She just gave the guy there, and she gave him a bunch of medals, the, the, the miraculous medal, and he was so excited. He said, oh, go ahead, Mother. Oh, Mother Teresa. Oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Anyway, she went right through the border without any papers at all. See? So uh, she says, Father, she said, uh, what are you going to do? And I said, well, Mother, I was thinking of opening up a school for poor children. Oh, but Father, and she started talking to me, and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I said, well, yeah, but that's what I'm prepared to do, and that's what, you know, I think I should do. And I think they're telling me it's time to quit. Anyway, uh, she said to me, after I kept insisting on the schools, because that's what we did in, in Peru. We opened up a free school for all the children, at grammar school, junior high, and high school, same as we have here. 900 kids by the time we finished the school. I put on the second floor, and Father Ed put on the first floor, and his whole idea was education, education. Got to educate, because if we don't educate, we're just wasting our time. And that's what he told us. He says, if we don't educate these people in their faith and educate them, he says, we're just wasting our time here in the missions. We're not doing anything. He said, we want to get down and educate. So he already started building a convent. And he was thinking that his sisters, he had two sisters in the Immaculate Heart of Mary in Pennsylvania. And uh, he thought that the, the, his sisters were going to come. And my sister is a Benedictine sister from Indiana. And so when I got there, I said, well, who do you have for the, for the, for the convent? And he said, uh, I, don't have, uh, I don't have anybody right now, but I'm, bu I'm building the convent, he said. So I said, well, my sister, I know the mother superior, and if you want to uh, see. He says, yeah, go ahead and write. He says, maybe they'll come. Well, they, they came in 1969, see. But what he told us was, you know, he was gung-ho education. That was his whole thing. He'd been teaching in Austin Catholic High School in Gross Point, Detroit, Michigan, for years. But he finally got his wish and was able to come to the missions in 1963 when I went to Mexico to prepare to go to the missions in Peru. And so he, his, he taught me the importance of education because when I got there and he told me, he says, I want you to set up a catechetical program because we have 30 chapels in this parish. 30 chapels in different villages, 12,000 square miles of was our parish, okay? And we had to go out to all these different villages. He had us going all the time. We had three Jeeps, a Jeep and a truck, and a, a Land Rover, and we would go and over to rivers and mountains and hills and everything to get to all these different places. And uh, so we set up a program, and then I began to say, no, no, let's, let's see here. We have the catechists here, and we're preparing them, the children, for their first communion. And we would get into talking with the children. And they didn't know anything hardly at all. No understanding at all. Their parents, no understanding. They all they've been doing is staying alive, working, you know, but no solid education in the faith, Okay. And so I understood that when Father Ed, you know, was there, that he was doing a great job, and I wanted to do something. I would work with him. It was, was a great privilege to work with him. So uh, that's why I kept insisting to Mother Teresa as we went across the border, insisting on the school that I thought was very important. And finally, Mother Teresa just sort of gave up with me and said, well, stick with your schools. That's what she said to me. Stick with your schools. Like, you know, that's old hat. And I'm still thinking about that. I mean, you know, different words that she said and messages and stuff, like I say, you know. So that's uh, what I have to tell you today. And uh, Chris is, like, down there volunteering. 
And if somebody wants to come down, say, to look, get to know our mission and what we're doing, see, we're still working on the school. We're building another school, and we're still building the Sisters Convent. And if you want to come down and help, you know, it, it, at least to see what it's like, so you get an idea. Because, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody knows how to speak Spanish here. Does anybody know how to speak Spanish? A little bit, más o menos. Ahí está. Yeah, sí. Más o menos, muy bien, sí. Eso es. So that would be, you can learn. You can learn very quickly, sí. And Chris has been working on it day and night, driving me nuts. <laughs> no, he really, he's really, really picked it up, yeah. And he really wants to learn. It's, it's really wonderful. And so I'm thinking, and he's telling me about theology on tap and telling me about the young the young adults and the different groups they have and how they, you know. And I said, well, let's go talk with them, see. So here we are. And I want to thank you all, especially thank Carrie for inviting us. And Chris, give him thanks for all he's done. And uh, maybe we're going to have time for a couple of questions. Anybody want to ask a question? Go ahead. I think it, I, I, I think that's what's coming. Okay, can I repeat the question? What, what, does, what do you think about the adoration chapels if every parish had an adoration 24-7? See? It takes a lot of work to get that organized and to have somebody there at 3 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. It's, it's, it's not, it isn't easy, see? And, see? So, but there's, there are a lot of parishes doing it, and they're getting more and more. And, and sister down in Peru, she says, we walked into the, down, walking down the main street of Lima, and they went to a, a, the Jesuit church there, and there's the Blessed Sacrament exposed. See? And the silence in, in, in the church, despite all the traffic and the cars going by and everything. Wow. See? So it's, it's spreading. And there's a priest from Argentina, that's his entire apostolate, is to go all through Latin America and help the priest, the parish priest, Expose the Blessed Sacrament. One time I talked to Mother Teresa, talking about that, just what you're saying. I talked to Mother Teresa. I got her on the phone. She was in, in New York City, and I could hear her voice saying, Who is this speaking? This is Father John. Oh, Father John. Yes, Father John Testo. Oh, yes, Father John. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine, Mother. How, how are you doing? And we're doing, we're very thankful. We now have 568 tabernacles. See? 568 convents that have the Blessed Sacrament exposed, you know. They do. Adoration is one of their most important, um, what can we say, parts of their apostolate, see. So, and then they have many people who offer their suffering, many people who are suffering at home, crippled and everything else, offering their suffering for the vocations of the sisters, and the priests, so, yeah. it's tremendous. But anyway, I would think that, that that's something that's coming. I mean, more and more. I think you're going to see it. And especially if it, you start seeing, see? And I think it's going to move, see? There's a part in the scriptures where Jesus, uh, the sun goes down, and then everybody comes to the house where, where Jesus is, bringing, them, bringing all their sick people, and he cures them all. Cures all the people, see? The sun goes down, and the sun goes down in California, it's the West. It's the, you know, it's the West of the world, okay? And so this is where the new life is beginning, I think. And it's going to go, it's going to go East, see? And I think we're, I think, I don't know, but, you know, God's plans. But uh, I talked to a guy the other day where, where I go play basketball, and he He's from Iran. He's Persian. And he said, uh, he said to me, he said, uh, I became a Christian, he said, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I can't remember what it was. He never told me that before. He did tell me that he was from Persia. And he was very happy that I was working in the school and giving the kids Catholic education. And he said, I became a Christian. 
he said. And then I went back to Iran. He said, and my mother and father heard that I had become a Christian. They were really mad at me. And then my whole family said. Then I went back again a few years later, and they'd all become Christians. But they're all secret. Everybody's be quiet. And if, if I don't know whether you've heard, uh, they, they just threw a young man, 23 years old, in prison. Ten years he got. And he was passing out Bibles. He had 6,000 Bibles in his, in his house. And he's passing them out in Iran. And this guy told me, he said, there's a lot of Christians in Iran, but everybody's under, underground, see? So, you know, things are happening in the world. And, and in I- 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 Iraq, the priest, the Chaldean church in Iraq is a Catholic church. It's the Chaldean rite. It goes back to the time of St. Thomas and uh, that he went and cured the king of Babylon and everybody became Catholic. And then Thomas went on to India. But uh, uh, today, the people are coming to the parishes, the Catholic parishes in Iraq. They're very few now. So many of them have been bombed, and so many people have left Iraq because they don't want to be living in a country of violence. But they asking the priest if they can be baptized. And the priest says, you better wait until things calm down. They're worried that, they're, you know. So... It's a very interesting time, and I think the Eucharist, so you'll say. I will tell you that I've seen our Lord in the Eucharist like it was a photograph. And he had his beard, and he had the crown of thorns, you say. And I also saw him in the Eucharist the day that I read the gospel about the woman in the synagogue that was bent over. And I tell you, and I went and held the host up, and there was Jesus standing there putting his hands on the woman. The poor woman, her, on her head, she was, he was healing her right in the Eucharist, like we're going back 2,000 years, right into the place where he was, right through the Eucharist. It's like a window to heaven, see? Very interesting what is in the Eucharist. Very interesting. It's just not a symbol. No, boy. It's heaven on earth, as Paul, John Paul II said. It's heaven on earth, the Eucharist, the Mass. Any, anybody else have a question? That's right. Uh-huh. Right. That's right. How are we called right now to be, you know, of service? How can we be of service? The greatest service you can give is to give testimony through your life, through your actions through your peace, even through your smile, see? I I remember seeing a little sticker saying, uh, you want to change the world? Smile. Just smile, you know, change the world, see? So, uh, yes, I think uh, that if we, that's why I'm talking about the Eucharist so much, because I think if we get back to the Eucharist, and uh, at this time, at this time, you see, hmm, then, yeah, I think you're going to see... change in the world, see? And there's hope for everybody. There's hope for everybody because God can change everybody. I have overcome the world, all the sins, all the ignorance, everything. So we're going, you know, that's why maybe Mother Teresa said to me, stick with your schools, you know, like, you know, jeez, you know. Um, imagine Jesus, you know. The, in fact, I think there was, I can't remember who it was, a mystic that said, that it was revealed to her that Jesus, when he was lost in the temple, and his mother and and St. Joseph came, and she said, you know, your father and I have been looking for you, see? And when did they find him? On the third day, you see? So they've been looking for two days, day and night, looking for him, okay? But that, that this mystic said that that Jesus was asking them and about... The universe. They didn't know what he was talking about. They didn't know what he was talking about, see? So how much thing how many things could Jesus tell us that we don't understand, you know? Okay? So that's very important testimony. But if you want to give testimony, you have to be open to Jesus. See, you have to be open to prayer. You have to sacrifice your time, which isn't sacrifice at all. It's it is sacrifice in the sense that it makes you sacred.
spending time before the Eucharist. It transforms you. It consecrates. Jesus consecrates you through his presence, through the light that is now shining through that maybe hasn't shined the way it's shining now, you see? Mother Teresa has that prayer that we learned, see? Help us to shine as you shine, and so to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be ours. It will be you shining on others through us. Let us thus praise you, see? So this is the way to do it, through giving testimony, say, okay? Anybody else? Another question? Well, very good. Okay. And go ahead, Carrie. Well, I guess celebrating the Eucharist every day. I know that's what uh, a cardinal that just died from 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 Italy. Uh, I'm thinking. Montani or something like that. But anyway, he said the same thing, you know, the Eucharist, the Eucharist, yeah. And possibly the other thing is, and people come to, come to confession and then they, they say, oh, Father, thanks a lot. I really appreciate that. Thanks a lot for hearing my confession. Oh, boy, I feel so much better, see? That, that's really, you know. And then, and then maybe... Uh, getting sick calls and going on sick calls and seeing people and all the different things that happen in that hour of, you know. And possibly another thing that gave me uh, was being able to concelebrate with Blessed John Paul II on Holy Thursday when I was in Rome studying. That was another highlight. And, of course, meeting Mother Teresa and talking with her and then being able to celebrate Mass at her feet and and when she was in the hospital, and, you know. So we were there in Rome when the Pope, the attempted assassination of Pope John Paul II. I was giving a retreat to Mother Teresa's sisters at that time. And they wouldn't let Mother Teresa. She went to Gemini Hospital. It's the third floor that is completely reserved for the Pope. Only the Pope can go there. And they had him there. They were operating on him, and they wouldn't let her in because it was so touch and go. The, the driver of the ambulance went, it normally takes 25 minutes to drive from St. Peter's Square over to the hospital. He made it in 12 minutes. He cut it the time in half. If he hadn't cut it in half, the Pope would have never made it. He was unconscious by the time he got into the hospital. He had lost so much blood, you see. So this guy went through all the lights, the red lights and everything, and just you know, and got there. But Mother Teresa couldn't, couldn't get in to say, could say uh, anything to the Pope. Of course, he was unconscious. So she came back, and I opened the door for her. And uh, talking about opening doors, I'll tell you another one. But anyway, she, uh, she, uh, she, I, I opened the door for her, and she said, she said to me, she said, Father, why would anybody want to, want to kill such a, a, a good man? See? And so we talked on and on, and pretty soon she was telling me about the abortions in the world and what a terrible thing it was to be killing little children, you know, before they're born. See, this is great testimony, see. Like when Jesus first came, Herod killed all the children from two years below. Another sign of two, you know, one, two, you know. But anyway, another time I opened the door for Mother Teresa was in Brownfield, and all the lights went out. They had a blackout, and the plane landed and she got off the plane, and I opened the door for her there, too. And it was all dark. And she looked up at me and she said, oh, hello, Father. And I could see out of her right eye flame coming out of her eye, literally. Like her heart was on fire, and you could see the light of a fire, the light of a fire, almost like something like over, over there, that, 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 that heater over there. That's what it, her eye looked like her right eye, and I just look, wow, I never saw that before, see, here she is, see, a real gift to the church, tremendous gift to the church, see, so, yes, that's, uh, those are some of the highlights, okay, thank you very much. I have a short little uh, note 
to say thank you for being here. And um, would you mind giving us your blessing, Father? Yeah, sure. Uh, just remain seated, please. The Lord be with you. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you all. We had a priest that taught us in the minor seminary. His name was Father Henry Weirman. Okay? He used to walk around at night praying his rosary. We had this seminary way out in the hills, quiet, beautiful, peaceful, in Michigan, minor seminary, okay? Near Saugatuck, Michigan. Everybody knows any place from Michigan. But anyway, this guy told us when we were in class, he said, gentlemen, he said, we won't see it, but you will. The air of the spirit. Very interesting. He told us that. Okay. Thank you very much. Give him another round of applause. Yay! <laughs> okay, so um, Erica was nice enough to pass out some questions that uh, Father John and Chris have for you. Um, so if you want to get into small groups of maybe four and share a little bit about these, what does it mean uh, being a missionary spirit to you? Or what, is, what, does mi what does being a missionary mean to you? Sorry. How do you know that God might be calling you to serve as a missionary? And then the third one, how is God asking you to respond to the second greatest commandment? So take a minute, and, um, yes, the act of service. So take a minute, um, maybe 10 minutes to share amongst yourselves, and then we'll regather shortly. So talk amongst yourselves for 10 minutes. I would say in that second question that if you remember, uh, how, or no, the first one, what does it mean to be a missionary to you? Okay, and you can talk of that in the, in the uh, contents of your vocation, your life. How can you be a missionary where you're at? See? Okay, that's number one, because this country is missionary territory. Wow. <laughs>